We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode number 417 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. I'm your host. My name is Jacob Westendorf of Packer Report. I am here in place of Matub and Zach Jacobson, both of which who have lives and fun things to do in life, which I do not have. So I am here to talk to you about the Packers and the Minnesota Vikings. They will kick off this afternoon, Sunday September 15th, almost one year to the date of last year's game, which has been affectionately referred to by Matub as roughing the Cousins. And hopefully that is not something that becomes the case this time around for the Packers. Uh, there's even a joke in uh, tomorrow's Packer Report article that hopefully hopefully when Darnell Savage gets his first career interception tomorrow, uh, that the Packers don't rough the passer, get called for roughing the passer when that happens. But there's a lot to go over here in a short amount of time today. The Packers are going to play the Vikings. Both teams are 1-0. Green Bay, obviously, with that opening night win, defensive statement over the Chicago Bears, and the Minnesota Vikings with a, a pretty convincing victory over a team that I thought was a NFC playoff contender, and they very well still could be, and that is the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, the Vikings really had the perfect start to that game. They get a blocked punt. Walk in easy touchdown, then they get an interception and another easy touchdown. They ended up getting Matt Ryan to turn the ball over two more times after that, I believe. 
and end up coasting to a 28-12 to victory <laughs> to get their season off on a 1-0 start. And the Vikings are kind of in a similar spot to Green Bay from the standpoint of they were disappointing last season and looking to uh, make up for that this season. And so far, so good. Uh, Dalvin Cook was very good last week. Kirk Cousins was efficient. Uh, I don't think they're going to win a lot of games if Kirk Cousins is going to only throw the ball 10 times in a game. Uh, So I don't imagine that's going to be a normal game plan for them moving forward. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what they do against the Packers, and I'll kind of break that all down here. Offense, defense, and special teams. So let's start first with something that has nothing to do with the Packers and Vikings game, and that is that the Packers have an opportunity, as do 31 other teams apparently, to make a move potentially for Minka Fitzpatrick. And that's been a lot of discussion on the Twitter sphere and all kinds of different uh, social media types here for whether or not the Packers should make that sort of move. And the counter-argument tends to be, well, they've already put so many resources into their secondary. And I understand that. And I know there's some legitimate there's some legitimate concerns on this roster for beyond 2019. The wide receiver position could be one if the young receivers do not step up and make plays this year to solidify themselves as number twos. There is that for right tackle. Unless you believe Billy Turner is the long-term answer at right tackle, the Packers may. They also may not. It remains to be seen on that. Tight end. There's only one tight end under contract beyond 2019, or guaranteed to be on, under contract beyond 2019, I should say, and that is Jay Sternberger. Jimmy Graham is somebody that they could bring back. It's just it doesn't seem like the Packers are trying to run Kyle Shanahan's offense. That requires your dual threat blocking and receiving tight end, and let's face it, Jimmy Graham, nobody's going to nobody's gonna mistake Jimmy Graham for a blocker. Uh, I, I think that's been made pretty clear. He wasn't a blocker in New Orleans, and that was fine. He was one of the most dynamic players in the league. Now, that becomes a little bit more of an issue here in Green Bay when you're not one of the most dynamic players in the league and you're struggling with that. But those are some issues, potential hang-ups uh, for giving away a draft pick like that. I wouldn't give up a first-round pick. Uh, I think that when you're looking at a, a, a player like that, the Packers are dealing in they would be adding to a position of strength. And because of that, I think you don't give up a first-round pick for that. Anything after that, though, I am all for. Uh, if they want to give up a second-round pick, I'm, I'm with it. I, I, I've i seen a lot of trade proposals uh, from armchair GMs like myself suggesting that the Packers trade Josh Jackson in a second-round pick. I don't really understand that. Uh, Josh Jackson was a second-round pick himself, so it's essentially like trading two second-round picks for a player that you may only need to trade one or maybe you only need a third. I really don't know what the asking price is. I did think it was funny that somebody kind of just took the, it was a tweet from a a gambling blog, which is affiliated with Twitter, I guess personality is the right word, incarcerated Bob. And that is not exactly a credible source. So I don't know what the asking price is. We do know that Chris Mortensen reported that Minka Fitzpatrick is allowed to seek a trade. What the Packers, if the Packers were able to acquire him, I know from Bet Online today they were tied for second in terms of the team that was favored to get him behind the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they're tied with the Philadelphia Eagles in terms of their odds. So 
take that for what it's worth. I do know, I think we all know, that the Packers in Minka's draft wanted to trade up in that draft. It was reported by Ian Rappaport and that they were targeting Minka Fitzpatrick. As he started to slip down the board, I don't know if Gutekunst had started that conversation with the Saints and decided not to pull the trigger on that because he knew he could get an extra first-round pick or what all happened there, but ultimately they didn't trade up to get him. Fitzpatrick ended up in Miami. What that does do, if the Packers were able to pull off this trade, is Jair Alexander, Kevin King, Minka Fitzpatrick, for this year, Tremont Williams, Josh Jackson, Tony Brown, and Kadar Hallman, who you could have develop like that. That is ridiculous. In terms of depth, in terms of skill sets, it would give a lot. It would give Mike Patton a lot of toys to play with. I think it's a move that, again, you're looking to add to your strength. And right now, the Packers' strength might be their secondary, and it could even more be true if Fitzpatrick is brought into Green Bay. So, I don't want to spend too much time on that because I know Jason and Paul talked about it yesterday. And I don't want to beat a dead horse, essentially, and it's it's all speculation at this point. But I'm absolutely on board. If you would have told me coming out of the 2017 draft that the Packers got Minka Fitzpatrick and Jair Alexander, I would have been ecstatic. Something else to remember is, if you think about it, Alexander and Fitzpatrick both are under contract for the next, what, three seasons beyond this year? This is their second year. So, yeah, three more years at young and affordable I don't think you can ask for anything more as far as your as far as your secondary goes. So there's a lot to go on there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Fitzpatrick ultimately does get traded and what Green Bay does if they're involved at all. But let's move to the game. Obviously, the off-field stuff is fun to talk about. Uh, the off-season is a great thing. It's a lot of fun. The draft, free agency, trades. It's nice that with Brian Gutekunst here in in Green Bay that we can actually have those conversations instead of. You know, nothing against Ted Thompson, obviously. He was a great general manager for a long time. But the offseason shows here were boring as hell. I don't think there's any argument to that because ultimately, think about it. We were talking about, like, what random, under-the-radar free agent could the Packers grab and that we'll all talk ourselves into. And, you know, like, for example, a few years ago, had they signed Mercedes Lewis as just an example, and I know – that uh, he was signed last year, and he's kind of an under-the-radar free agent. But we would be talking about him as our potential starting tight end. And he's just, that's not, uh, a signing like Zadarius Smith or Preston Smith, like what happened this offseason, impact players, those types of guys weren't added that often in free agency by Thompson. If they did, it was under-the-radar value types or someone like Charles Woodson, who kind of slipped through the cracks and nobody really wanted and Charles Woodson didn't even want to come to Green Bay, so that was interesting. But it's nice to be able to at least have these conversations and be realistic in the fact that, yeah, we can have this conversation because it's at least a possibility, whereas before it definitely was not. Uh, so let's go to the game here. First of all, tomorrow's the home opener. It's at Lambeau Field, and the Packers are doing just about everything they can to remind you that they want you there, they want you loud, they want you rowdy. And I'll get to that there in a minute. Uh, what's more important, in my opinion, tomorrow is that at halftime they will be honoring Bart Starr. And Bart Starr, you can argue, is the greatest player in the history of the Green Bay Packers. 
Uh, he passed away this past May, uh, Memorial Weekend. And they did some things this weekend. I'm unfortunately unable to attend. I was hoping to be able to get up there, but uh, I'm having a baby, so I can't exactly take a trip three hours away. So nonetheless, for those that are there, I think that that's important uh, to pay your respects, sit around. It should be really cool. The Packers used to do really well with things of this nature, too. Uh, they're very good at memorials and remembering their alumni and they do a lot of cool stuff with that so that should be awesome if you have a chance and you're at the game take pictures take videos send them to me i will be happy to do that to talk about the crowd and the nature of what they're doing here the packers have done just about everything they could do this offseason they had the viking galler fart horn to quote title town sound off uh, and that was received poorly but they're trying to get it to where i mean aaron Rodgers has talked about it uh, Matt LaFleur has talked about it. There's a lot of people in the Packers organization saying they want you loud, they want you there, they want you engaged, and they want you rowdy. And I know that when I go to games, I make it my personal mission to make my section the loudest and rowdiest in the stadium. Obviously, I can't do that tomorrow. I will not be there. But I, I implore you all to do that. And something else, I know Aaron Rodgers said not to do it on offense, I'm going to disagree with him when I say on offense, don't do the damn wave ever. It's one of the worst things in sports. I know my good friend, Brad Jones, and myself, when we have gone to games together, and we've gone to quite a few, uh, when the wave comes around to our section, we do raise something, but it more resembles that of a bird, if you will. So I'll leave it at that for now. So I, I'm just asking you guys, be loud, be rowdy. I want my TV screen to be rocking. That's the whole purpose of home field advantage. That's the whole purpose of home games is to make it an uncomfortable environment for the visiting team. That's why teams fight so hard for home field advantage in the playoffs. Why do the Saints want all of the games in the Superdome? Because going to the Superdome sucks because it's loud, it's crazy in there, and they're ridiculous. It is hard to win in New Orleans, and that's... That's why they do that. So that's what the Packers are trying to do. I hope you guys that are going to the game tomorrow are able to do that. Going to the game, looking at the offense against the Vikings defense. So the Vikings defense is not the Bears defense, but they're still very good. Daniel Hunter, Everson Griffin, Eric Kendricks, Linval Joseph, Anthony Barr, Xavier Rhodes, Harrison Smith. All those guys I just mentioned have potential to be Pro Bowl to all pro level players. And the Packers have their work cut out for them because I had said coming into this season, and it's it's caught on, and others that are smarter than I am have said the same thing, and that is that Aaron Rodgers said it. He made a comment about it in his post game, and he had talked about it in the offseason, how the defense is going to need to lead the way for the Packers while their offense finds their way. Well, not only is the offense going trying to find their way, they're playing against, I mean, Minnesota and Chicago at the end of the season, barring injuries and such, might be a top five defense, both of them. And then next week, you've got Denver coming into Green Bay with Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, and Vic Fangio. And then the Cowboys defense a couple weeks later. The Eagles defense, the Packers play a lot of good defenses in, in Green Bay in the near future. And not just in Green Bay, but on the road as well. So, Looking at the Packers' offense, first things first, I know what I've said, and I've talked about it before, but this Packers' offense, this offense is based on the outside zone, and the Packers need to be able to run the ball. 
and run the ball, if nothing else, just to slow down guys like Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin so that they're able to give Aaron Rodgers time in the pocket and get the ball down the field. The other thing they need to be is more efficient in their play-action game. It was almost non-existent against the Bears, and a lot of that was because I don't think they could protect Aaron Rodgers or they were confident in their protection of Aaron Rodgers. So as they're going through all that, they're unable to run their play-action game, which is supposed to be a staple of their scheme. Well, when it's not, when you're not able to do the things that you're supposed to be able to do well, you can't get into anything exotic. So my friend and colleague, Peter Bukowski, he of Packer Report and uh, your guys' favorite internet ad reads, I'll leave it at that, uh, he has often stated, and he's talked about this a lot, how you don't need to be able to run the ball for good play-action success. And that's true. The data bears that out. But the Packers need to do it more often. And they need to be able to beat the Vikings on play-action. And what I believe Matt LaFleur called it the, the illusion of complexity or something like that. I'll have to look it up when I'm done here just to see if um, – if I can look and see what it was called, because I I seem to have forgotten the exact wording, but that's what the Packers are trying to do is give the illusion that they're being complex when really it's just a bunch of simple stuff. It just all looks, it comes out of different looks. So for example, like the slant flat concept of Mike McCarthy's offense, but out of various looks. And that's something that they're going to need to be able to do. The other biggest thing is really, I mean, David Bakhtiari has a back injury. It sounds like he's going to be able to play, and they're going to need him because Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter are absolute terrors on the edge, and the Packers need to protect their quarterback because, I mean, it's you're not going to be able to do a whole lot with your quarterback on his back. It doesn't matter, and we've seen this before. Tom Brady in the Super Bowl against the Giants. Why did they lose that game? It didn't matter that he had Randy Moss and Wes Welker and all these other guys. He was on his back all the time under duress. Something about the Packers' offense last week, they were struggling to get out of their own way because they either couldn't protect the quarterback or because Rodgers held the ball too long. There was a lot of different theories as to why that happened. Some of it was Rodgers holding the ball too long and not being willing to pull the trigger. Some of it was great coverage by the Bears and the Packers having – no receiver able to beat good coverage outside of Devontae Adams. And that's something that might become a theme as this year progresses is the Packers have not a lot of stock put into their offensive weapons. And they have more undrafted receivers on their roster currently than they do drafted receivers. And that's something that could show up. It may not matter. It's possible that it doesn't matter. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Trevor Davis, Jake Kumaro, Geronimo Allison, somebody could emerge by the end of the season. Same with Robert Tanyan. The reality is they need to because Devontae Adams, it's kind of been a running joke going around Packers Twitter this week of Devontae Adams pointing out Bears defenders 1-2-3. Well, that's exactly what teams are going to do because Adams is the only one that has proven he can beat good coverage and good good players on a consistent basis. So when you're unable, again, unable to, to beat good coverage, it's really hard to get the ball in the hands of your best players when there's three or four guys looking over at them from the other side of things. So I think that that's those are your keys to the Packers' offense. I think they need to be able to run the ball. I think they need to protect their quarterback, and I think that they need to have somebody else other than Adams emerge. Now, I do think Adams is going to have a better week this week than he had last week, and I'm not saying he had a bad game, 
What I am saying, though, is that the Bears were able to do some good things to take away his impact on the field. And that is what the Packers are going to need this week to try and combat. I think he'll do better. He usually has played well against Xavier Rhodes. I joke that, you know, he's playing against he's playing against uh, Minnesota, so Rhodes are certainly open in terms of Green Bay. Uh, but we'll see how that goes uh, in terms of Minnesota uh, and how they cover Devontae Adams this week. Uh, I think that, like I said, he'll have a better game, but I don't know if – I mean, Devontae is not going to go for – you know, 10 catches, 200 yards, and three touchdowns. That would be crazy. Uh, but I think that if the Packers can be a little more efficient, get the ball in the hands of some guys like MBS, I would like to see Trevor Davis play more than Geronimo Allison. With all due respect to Geronimo, he's a he's a fourth wide receiver. He's a limited ceiling athlete. He's just – his ceiling is so low. He's a high floor player. He definitely does some good things. But – Trevor Davis has the higher upside, and he gets some speed on the field. He has an elite trait. That is his speed. And he played well last week in his limited snaps. I think, if nothing else, having MBS and Trevor Davis, two absolute burners on the field, might open up some things for the Packers' offense. So that's on the offensive side of the ball. Going to the defense, because as Aaron Rodgers said, we got a defense now. We'll see if that's true. I'm not... uh, I'm not crowning them after one game, but, man, it was fun to watch. I know something from a fan standpoint I talked about earlier this week was that I think it was nice during the game against the Bears that I never felt like, oh, yeah, we're holding our breath for the defense because you're hoping that they're just not going to screw it up. Like, oh, can we hold them to a field goal? Can we keep them out of the end zone? Well, this year so far it was there's no fear of that. And not only are we going to hold them to a field goal and keep them out of the end zone, they're not going to score at all. And they didn't. You know, something else from last week that I noticed with Mitchell Trubisky and the Bears' offense in general against the Packers' defense was the Packers had an opportunity for a couple more turnovers. Darnell Savage had a great break on a ball. Could have been an interception, uh, but it was a pass breakup. So that was one. Kevin King flat out dropped an interception. That was another one. Jair Alexander knocked the ball in the air. There was just nobody there. That was some luck. Packers eventually, those things tend to even out in terms of turnovers. If you're around the ball and contesting every play as they were last week, good things are going to come from that. So I think that on defense, Green Bay could get some turnovers. And the biggest way to do that is it's old school. This is an old school football game. Mike Zimmer is an old school coach. He fired John Filippo because John Filippo didn't run the ball enough. And when you didn't run the ball enough for Mike Zimmer, he does, he wants to run the ball and play defense. He's very old school in that regard. Okay? Awesome. Dalvin Cook's your guy. And they brought in Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski. Kubiak has kind of got the staple of the offense in there with his outside zone scheme, very similar to Matt LaFleur's. Those of you that want to go all the way back to the 90s, this is the same offense that Terrell Davis and John Elway torched the Packers with in the Super Bowl in 1997. 98. Whenever it was. I don't know. I was young. I'm trying to forget that that day ever happened. As far as I'm concerned, the Packers are undefeated in Super Bowls because who cares about that day specifically, right? Nonetheless, something last week. Vic Beasley is a little guy, and the Falcons other edge rushers. They don't have these big, imposing presences on the edge. The Packers do. And they have Zadarius Smith. They have Preston Smith. And they have Rashawn Gary. And I think you're going to need to see Rashawn Gary play more than Kyler Fackrell, which he didn't do in his first game. Rashawn Gary only played six snaps against the Bears. 
And I think that the Packers, outside of Darnell Savage, I've said this quite a bit since the since the game against Chicago ended, it looks like they have a very specific plan for their rookies, and they want to bring them along slowly. Kingsley Kiki wasn't active. Dexter Williams wasn't active. Ty Summers was active, but really only out of necessity because they didn't have any linebackers. They need, or they want to, I shouldn't say they need, they want to move those guys along slowly. Well, the other thing about it is Zadarius and Preston Smith both played more than 90% of the snaps on offense or defense. That's probably not a sustainable number. Uh, so Green Bay is going to need to get fine room to get their top edge rushers a break and get the other guys on the field. Well, when you get the other guys on the field, you need big physical guys who can set that edge in that outside zone scheme. The Falcons weren't able to do it last week. Rashawn Gary can't. Rashawn Gary came into the NFL already as a plus run defender. Okay? Already came into the NFL as a plus run defender. Already good at that. Needed to work on his pass rush and all that stuff, although I, I will point out he had two pressures in six attempts. Now, granted, or six snaps, I should say. Granted, that's a small sample size, but still nice to see from the Packers' first-round pick. Those guys need to set the edge. Darius, Preston Smith, and Rashawn Gary. And Kyler Fackrell does when he needs to be out there as well, but I just don't have as much faith in him to be able to do that. So that's what I'm looking for with Green Bay is can you get your guys to set the edge? And they're going to need to do that and get Dalvin Cook to funnel back into where his help is. Guys like Kenny Clark, guys like Dean Lowry. The Packers' biggest advantage on defense in this game is that they have a very strong interior defensive line, and Minnesota's offensive line on the interior, Pat Elfline's hurt. They're starting some young guys. They're struggling. That's their biggest advantage. And if they can get the Vikings into second and third long, that's when you can put some pressure on Kirk Cousins. And when does Kirk Cousins melt when there's pressure in his face? Last year against the Packers, they were able to get some pressure on him, and he struggled through three quarters in that first game. In the fourth quarter, he heated up because the Packers' pass rush was unable to get home, and he just sat back there and picked them apart. So he was able to do that for the majority of the fourth quarter because the opportunities were there. This time around, Green Bay has Zadarius Smith. Mike Patton called him special, said Preston Smith wasn't too far behind him. Uh, Mike, Z- or Mike Zimmer. Zadarius Smith, I think, has an opportunity to be an all-pro kind of player this year. And he had 10 pressures in the first week of the season. That's obviously going to help your cause. Preston Smith was quietly very good as well. Um, and the Packers' defense as a whole played very well. So those are those are your kind of your big key up front. I think as we get towards the back end of the secondary, I'm going to be curious as to what they do with their, their cornerback tandem and their receivers. I think that what you're looking at is Jair Alexander, because he's going to play, on one side, and then you'll have you know some combination of Tremont Williams, Kevin King, and Tony Brown. And I think that between those guys, somebody is going to take Jair, or, uh, Stephon Diggs, and somebody's going to take Adam Thielen. What I would prefer on my point of view, I think Jair Alexander is a perfect matchup for Stephon Diggs. Diggs is a quick, shifty, quick hips, turn on a dime those guys not that Thielen can't do those things but that's just more his game whereas Thielen he's able to beat you inside like that too but he's also a 
a slot receiver like that to where I think you can beat him a little bit at least with some physicality. So with that in mind, what I would do if I were the Packers is I would put Alexander on digs, and on the other side of the field, I am putting Kevin King and a safety rolled over on Adam Thielen. And I'm hoping that Alexander can take away Diggs, and I'm hoping that that double team cuts out Thielen because the Vikings, quite frankly, don't have a third receiver at this point. Kyle Rudolph's a good player. He's a tight end, but he's getting older. Um, and then you've got Irv Smith, the rookie that they drafted. A little young. He's possibly, but if, the, if those guys are the ones that are going to beat Green Bay, you live with that if you're Mike Patton. What you don't want is what has happened in recent years, and that is Diggs or Thielen beating you, and you don't want those guys to beat you. I think that I think that there are a lot of different ways to go about this. Mike Pettin is much smarter than I will ever be, uh, but I, that's the way I would like to see the game go, and that's the way I would like to do that from a defensive standpoint. So in that... In saying that, I think that what else we're looking for is obviously stop the run and then go through those things. The other thing I want to know is Adrian Amos got the team's first interception of the year. I think the Packers may get multiple turnovers tomorrow, and I'm curious to see who's going to be the one to do that Uh, because I do think Green Bay is going to win this game. I picked them to win in tomorrow's story for Packer Report. I have them winning 21-17. I think it'll be a defensive struggle, very similar I think the offense will be a little bit better. They've had 10 days to prepare. I think that'll help. Uh, and I think that their defense their defense matching up with Minnesota's offense is a better matchup for Green Bay than Minnesota's defense matching up with Green Bay simply because the Packers have that advantage at the quarterback position. And that's nothing against Kirk Cousins, although it kind of is, because I think that there's there's plenty of things to criticize Kirk Cousins about for the last couple of years. So... That being said, that's kind of where your advantage comes into play if you're Green Bay. So I'll be interested to see how this game goes. I think there's a lot going into it. Uh, I think that there's a lot on the line, too. The Packers, you know, if a team starts 2-0, they make the playoffs 63% of the time. And I also think that if Green Bay wins this game, not to get too far ahead of myself because a lot of things can change, but assuming, you know, normal health and normal um injuries and things of that nature going forward uh normal happenings i guess is the right way to put that uh assuming all that is correct and normal then i think if green bay wins tomorrow that they're starting the season 4-0 uh and again not to get too far ahead of myself and i know the eagles are a tough team and i know that they are they're the team i picked to win the super bowl that being said when they play philadelphia they will be the Packers will have been home for 21, almost three straight weeks by the time that game happens. So there is a lot that can go Green Bay's way here if they're able to win tomorrow. It's a big game and a big step towards getting into the playoffs. I think Matt LaFleur, this could be an early signature win for the Packers and for Matt LaFleur and his young career as a head coach. So that's what I'm interested in seeing. I'm interested in seeing how he responds to – there's been some adversity – uh, and, you know, everything that the coach does is going to be scrutinized here for the next year to two years because the Packers are 
are able to, or they, they need to get back to the playoffs. They need to get back to the playoffs and get winning. That's why Matt LaFleur was hired, because the Packers and their team and their team of people, Brian Gutekunst, Mark Murphy, Russ Ball, believe that Matt LaFleur was the right guy. So everything he does going forward is going to be scrutinized. I think that tomorrow could be a big step towards silencing some of those critics. Or today, excuse me, if you're listening on Sunday, it would probably be today, right? Could be a big step towards silencing some of those critics and getting the Packers back into the path of going into the postseason. And that's something that Green Bay wants. I think that, you know, they Mark Murphy said it at the press conference. We're ready to get back to winning. Well, the way you get back to winning is beating your division. The Packers haven't beaten the Vikings. By the time this game kicks off, it will have been 996 days since Green Bay last beat Minnesota. It's time to buck that trend. It's time to start dominating the division again. And you do that, one, by winning your games at home against the division and by winning road games. Winning tomorrow will mean mean Matt LaFleur has already done both in his young coaching career. So... Not only that, it's the weekend that my daughter's supposed to be born, so I really don't want my daughter coming into this world and having to tell her that, hey, on your birthing weekend, they lost to the Vikings. And I don't really want to have to tell her that. So with that in mind, Green Bay, please, I beg of you to win tomorrow. Um, And that's really all I can say. I hate the Vikings. I always have. They're my least favorite team. And I really need the Packers to win this game on Sunday. Uh, you're honoring Bart Starr. You're playing at home. You want to establish a new culture. It's time. And it's that simple. That said, I do like Green Bay to win. Like I said, 21-17. to 17. I think it'll be one of those those kinds of games where it comes down to the wire. And uh, we'll be interested to, to see how it goes. Uh, with that in mind, that's going to do it for the show. As I mentioned in the open, I am with Packer Report now. You can check us out, PackerReport.com. I believe they're running a promo now where we have 30% off of your fir- or of an annual subscription. So feel free feel free to check that out. And there's some great content over there. There's a lot of great people, a lot of Packaday contributors. Uh, Andy Herman is over there. He's the editor. There is Dusty Evely who did a Dusty's Playbook today for us. Jake Ogden, Jake Morley, Ross Uglum is the publisher. There's a lot of names you're going to be familiar with. Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers is on there. We have a really good team, uh, and that's just myself included over there as well. So check us out. Uh, check out the Pack-A-Day podcast, obviously, on your favorite podcasting forum. forum. Like and subscribe. Uh, and let us know uh, what you like, what you don't like, all those sorts of things. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter if you want to keep up with what I'm doing and what everyone else on our team is doing because I do tweet a lot of Packer Report stuff now. But that's at Jacob Westendorf, and you can follow the Pack-A-Day podcast at Pack-A-Day podcast, and you can follow Packer Report at Packer Report 66. Thank you guys for sticking with me through this whole thing. Thank you for listening to this show all the time. We wouldn't do this without you guys. Packers-Vikings noon at Lambeau Field, and if you're going to a game this year, please let me know. I'm up there pretty often. As soon as my daughter's born, we're going to take a little bit of time here get her settled in and everything like that, and then I'll be back at the stadium as soon as I possibly can. So I'm interested uh, to meet some of you guys and talk through everything and all that. But thank you for listening, and go Pack Go!
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.